listening. Look at the person beside you and say, today's the day. Look at the person on the other side and say, today is the day. Now, if you didn't believe the person that said that to you, slap them one time, tell them it's time to get on board. I just figured I'd get the violence out of the way right, right up front, you know. It's not a good sermon unless you talk about slapping, punching, kicking, or something, right? Um, you know, in Thessalonians, it tells us that uh, we are to pray without ceasing, and that verse really just kind of problem, is a problem for me. It really just bothers me a lot because I don't pray without ceasing. Um, I know for you spiritual types, y'all pray all the time. I mean, you're praying right now. You're not even listening. You're just praying. And so I understand that it might not be trouble for you, but it's trouble for me because I'm very busy. Like, does anybody have an issue with not being busy? Please raise your hand because I've got plenty of things I can give you to do. There's always one in a crowd that's going to raise their hand, and it's always your mom, right? I mean, come on. We're all busy. We, we don't lack or have a shortage of things to do. I mean, we got to get the kids to where they got to go. We got to get ready for school. We got to get up and go to work. We got to do this. We got doctor's appointments if you're aging. We got all of these things that we have to do. And so we're super busy, very, very busy. No one lacks from having something to do. Got to clean the house, wash the clothes, let the dog out, feed the dog. And when you hate the dog, Sometimes you might want to not feed the dog. It's true. Oh, look at all the pet lovers in the room. Oh, poor puppy. The puppy is not skinny. He's eating plenty. Uh, but listen, busy isn't bad, right? I mean, busy isn't bad. It's good to have things to do. If you've never had anything to do and you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, then you know what I mean, that busy isn't bad. But the issue is, and if we're honest, when we get really busy, something has to go. Something always has to be sacrificed in order for us to get something done. I don't care what it is, but something has to go. And typically, if we're truthfully honest, what goes first is prayer. What tends to go first is prayer. The thing that we should do first goes first. And so today, I want to talk to you about prayer and what prayer really is and what prayer really means. Because I don't think that we pray enough. Like, I want to get to the place where I pray without ceasing, where I continually, constantly, fervently, with passion and deep, deep heart movement pray. Like, does anybody not want that? You are in church, so it'd be kind of weird if you raised your hand. But, I mean, we all want that. We all want to have a strong prayer life. I don't think anybody doesn't. But for some reason, let's, if we're honest, most of us just don't. We just don't. And so today I hope that we light something inside of you, that God would ignite something in you to where you can't do anything but pray first. Because in reality, this is what happens. We get sick, we go straight to the doctor. We don't pray. Not that doctors are bad. Thank God for doctors. Every good gift is from above, right? Doctors are good gifts. When something's wrong and we can't pay a bill, what's the first thing we do? We stress out and freak out instead of fall on our knees and pray. When things aren't going the way they should and our kids aren't listening, the first thing we do is we pick up a book on how to parent instead of falling on our knees and ask the most precious and almighty Father to teach us to parent. Like, we, we rely on all the wrong things. It's not that any of those things are bad. It's just that the main thing isn't that we go to the Father. 
And I want to go to the Father. Like, when something, when I'm having a bad day because the guy cuts me off in the, you know, on the freeway, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, at 385 and 85, those darters, you know. Don't act like you wouldn't wreck them if you had an opportunity and wouldn't get in trouble. You would wreck them in a heartbeat. I mean, of course, you wouldn't wreck them to kill them. You just want to mess up their car. You don't want to, like, injure anyone. That would be very just bad. We should talk. But I'm busy, so get with Pastor Bradley or somebody because <laughs> he's not busy ever, trust me. Super busy guy. Anyway, right? Like, let's just, I mean, does anybody, like, I want you to think about that question. Do you really want to have a prayer life? Like, think about it. Like, I know the right response is, yes, I'm a Christian. Listen, just because you're in church doesn't make you a Christian. It's the same as, you know, if you got a lawnmower in your garage, you standing in the garage doesn't make you a lawnmower. Right? Being in church, present in a place, doesn't change you. So my question is, ask yourself, do I really, truly desire a prayer life? Now listen, some of you are like, well, I, don't, I really don't know. Don't feel bad. I get it. We're going to deal with that too. But the reality is, prayer is so much more than the sum of our words. Like, isn't it? Like, okay, I'm going to talk to God now. That's how we, that's kind of how we see prayer. But prayer is so much more than just what we say. It means so much more than the words coming out of our mouths. Prayer is rich and valuable and precious. And until we see the immense value of prayer, we'll never do it and sacrifice things to make it happen. We'll never do it. Because here's what I think. I think God catches a lot of rants. Now listen, I'm not judging you. I rant to God too. I do. I rant to God about some of you if I'm honest. <laughs> like God, are, like seriously. Again, we prayed about this and this, nothing's changed. God, fix them. F fix them. I can't talk to them anymore. Fix them. Usually the problem's me, but we're not going to deal with that. Anyway. How many of you guys rant? Come on. For all those people that didn't raise your hands, you're lying. Like, you, a rant sounds like this. God, I'm so sick of this. Would you fix this? God, I'm tired of this. Fix it. God, this is getting old. Could you fix it? Or God, I don't even know what to say right now. Those are rants. And not rants aren't bad. I don't think God's like a man. I'm about to, you know... <laughs> throw a lightning bolt down on you for ranting. I don't think that's what God's doing. I think God's fine with our rants. But let's not confuse our rants with prayer. Rants could be called shotgun prayers if you want to call them something. It's, okay, God, I'm going to fire something off at you, but I'm not going to listen. So you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Like, I'm, I'm going to hurt your feelings, but if you're praying, the only time you pray is in your car on the way to work, you're not praying. You're ranting. Not that ranting's bad, because true prayer must be intentional, you must be in isolation, and you must be in a place where God can speak back. And if you're praying to that degree while you're driving, give me your license. <laughs> right? I'm not saying don't pray in your car. Pray, but let's just call it what it is. 
It's not really intentional. It's because something's happened in your life that you don't agree with. And in that moment, okay, maybe you got a good worship song on and you're like, oh, God, I want more of you. But the reality is, is you're driving. You can't really focus on God. Your attention is divided. Real prayer is when God has all, not some, all of your attention. 100% of your attention. Pray without ceasing. I know some of you guys are a little apprehensive about talking about prayer, and I'm, gonna, I'm really going to attack those in a minute. But check this out. Matthew 6, verse 7. Matthew 6, verse 7. Everybody knows this. We've talked about this uh, particular passage of Scripture a good many times in church. You may know it as the Lord's Prayer. And, and this verse is really, really beautiful. Matthew 6, verse 7. I think we can learn a lot from it. I wonder if you mark on your calendars how often you prayed what your calendar might look like. Like quantitative-wise. I know you might get a dark little, little mark on the calendar indicating that you prayed that day, but I'm not talking about the, the random rant or shotgun prayer. I'm talking about where you were intentionally deliberate in your prayer. It may feel like I'm fussing at you, but I promise I'm not. I'm trying to get you to understand something that's really going to alter your life because today is the day. Today is that day. Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many, many words. You know, some of the most common reasons as a pastor that I hear about prayer and why people don't pray, like excuses or reasons they don't pray, is, well, I don't know how to pray. Or, I don't pray as beautifully as someone else. I just don't sound as eloquent. I don't sound as good. Or, or this, is, this is really one of my favorites. I don't have time. I'm just too busy. Or, how about this? I just, you know, I'll start praying and my intentions are really good. And then, then I start thinking, well, I got to do some laundry. And then the next you squirrel. And then, you know, it's just one thing after another. And before I know it, I've only really spent like a minute praying. And then the rest of the time, I've planned out the rest of my day. Like, come on, people. I know you are holy, but don't try to make it look like I'm the only one that has that problem. <laughs> like, sometimes I'll be in my office and I'll be praying. And then... I'll hear something, and I'll be like, man, I forgot to do that. And then I get convicted. And then i got to pray about the conviction. And then I get distracted again. And it's kind of like the cycle, right? It's just this repetitious cycle. Like, we all have problems praying. Let's just be honest. Like, one of them is, it feels weird. Like, you're not talking to anyone. Like there's no like if I'm like if I'm Samson here if I'm sitting here having a conversation with Samson that's pretty easy because Samson's right there I can see the guy good looking dude easy to talk to ladies I'm saying <laughs> that was terrible <laughs> the sermon is about prayer just for it's sake on it but right. Let's, isn't it kind of weird sometimes praying to what you can't see? Yes, it is. And that's okay. So let's just admit that we've got some issues. I've got a lot of them. You may only have a few, but I've got a ton. So you can feel better about yourselves. But it's true. I can't see them. I get distracted. My mind drifts. It doesn't work. 
That's the one we don't want to talk about. We don't want to talk about the times we've prayed and God didn't answer the way we thought he should. Right? Why pray? It's not going to matter. I mean, it's not like God's actually going to do something, right? Like, I bet very few, if any, when you came to church today, you really thought to yourself, God's really going to change me today. Right? Did you have that thought? Did you get up this morning and go, go and fall on your knees and be like, God, I'm going to be with a community of people that love you. Change me today. Most of us don't do that. We just don't do it. But we get so hung up on this pattern, right? Like right there, Matthew 6, verse 7, it says, Don't pray like the hypocrites, the Gentiles. Don't try to be fancy. Just pray. Right? Like the mechanism of prayer, the mechanics of prayer mean nothing when they lose the meaning of prayer. Your prayer could be beautiful. There are some beautifully written prayers And there's nothing wrong with reciting those prayers. But let's not fool ourselves and believe just because we get the mechanics of prayer right that that prayer has any meaning. When we try to impress man with our prayers, we lose the point of prayer. And when you get hung up on whether your prayers sound just right, you're not trying to communicate with God. You're trying to get people to think you know how to pray. The point of prayer is to pursue God. The point of prayer is the pursuit of God. Don't you want to pray? Like, if I asked you, do you want to go after God? Every one of us would be like, yeah. And then if I said, well, don't you want to spend some time really praying? You might go, well, a little busy. But here's the reality. If God walked in the room, just to show you how silly this is if God in person walked through that door and walked up and said Samson you and I are going to spend the next 15 minutes together we're just going to talk Samson would probably not go well you know I got this thing I've got to go do right after church so could we reschedule why are we rescheduling God to a later time when we don't really even intend to keep that commitment. God wants to hear from you. Like I know you're worried, well, how do I pray his will? I'm going to help you with all that. I'm going to fix all of that for you. I'm going to take the weight right off of your shoulders. God wants to hear from you. Think about that. Let that sink in. The God we talked about last week, the Almighty Father, wants to hear your voice. Your voice is distinct in his ear. It doesn't sound like anybody else's voice in this room. He's in tune and he's listening. See, prayer without any real passion isn't prayer at all. When was the last time you prayed and it was heartfelt, deep, and rich prayer? The kind of prayer where you're just really going after God. The kind of prayer where you're not just trying to get something from God, but you're trying to get God himself. Because the reality is I think our prayers have become the sum of our needs. 
And what we fail to see is that our greatest need isn't for God to fix something. It's him himself. And so any kind of prayer that focuses only on God fix this, fix this, fix this, misses the importance of it. Philip Yancey said this about prayer. I love this. If prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet, then I must learn about prayer. Most of my struggles in this Christian life circle around the same two themes. Why God doesn't act the way we want God to, and why I don't act the way God wants me to. Prayer is the precise point where those two themes converge. Isn't that what prayer is about? It's about me learning the heart of God. Isn't that the point that I learn what God wants, what God desires, what matters to God? And in finding that out, my deepest need is met. I'm not saying you can't go to God with what you want. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. In fact, do it. I think you should do it because a prayer that isn't authentic isn't prayer at all. Like you can go to God and be like, God, I love you so much. You're just amazing. And that's all true. But in the back of your mind, you're really thinking, God, why is this happening? Why is this going on? And so you put up this facade in front of God. But if you go back and you read Matthew, what you'll see is that God already knows exactly what you need. So why don't you just go ahead and talk to him about it? Be authentic. Be real. Be genuine in your prayers because God is interested in hearing from you. Not just a form of prayer, not just saying the right things, not just getting the mechanics right. Do I sit? Do I stand? Do I do all of these things? How? How is it that we have reduced the power of prayer to the mechanics of it? Why are we doing this? I get it. God may not speak to you audibly. He may speak to other people audibly. I don't know. I understand that. I understand that God doesn't speak to us all the same way, but I can assure you of this. God wants to speak to you. To you. Not just the pastor, not just the person beside you. He actually wants to speak to you. And the question of whether God is speaking is mute. God is speaking. He speaks clearly. Not in a confusing way. He speaks. The problem is, are your ears open? Are you listening? Because here's what I found. When God speaks to me, if it's something I like, it's easy to listen. If it's something I don't, then what I tend to do is I push away. Okay, God. And then I'll spend a few weeks just kind of keep pushing. And then I'm like, well, God, I know if I pray, I'm going to have to face this thing that you told me about like three weeks ago. And then I'm like, well, I don't really want to face it yet. See, I've missed the point of prayer altogether. Because the point of prayer has never been for God just to fix me. It's for me to get close to the Father. That's the point of prayer. We should pray and expect an outcome. Because he loves to hear from us. Listen, don't worry. Don't worry. If you've got a weak prayer life, fine. Today's a great place to start. Maybe you've never really prayed. Fine. Not judging you, not saying you're a horrible person. I'm saying today is a great opportunity to rekindle something that may have gone dormant in your life. Maybe it's never existed in your life. Today 
is the day. Today is the day. Not tomorrow, not next week. Today is that day. We've got to make some room for God. We've got to make some space for God. I love, if y'all know me, you know I love acronyms. I love making things easy to remember because I'm not that smart of a person. So I need help with it. So I like acronyms. But it's fascinating to me at some of the acronyms that exist. One of my favorite prayer acronyms is ACTS. Spiritual. It's got a good ring to acts. Not acts like the spray. Acts. <laughs> right? I mean, there's a book of the Bible. How could you possibly go wrong? Adoration. Confession. You feel it? Feel it? Thanksgiving. Supplication. Well, what happens if I accidentally forget supplication while I'm praying? Uh-oh. What if I leave off adoration? What if I forget to do any of it? What if I just forget my acronym and I start in the wrong place? What if I start with S instead of A? Seriously. Like, we get so hung up on the mechanics of it. Well, let's give them an acronym so they'll know how to pray. This is how you pray. You go to the Father and you're authentic and you're real because he wants to hear from you. Who do you think you're fooling by telling God thank you when you feel crushed inside? Like seriously. Like your whole life is falling apart and you're like, God, thank you so much. I just love you, God. And you're like, oh, I'm dying inside. I just got to get the right words out. God wants to know that you're crushed. God wants to hear how you feel. Not saying he's going to tolerate how you feel. I'm just saying he'll hear you. See, the thing about it is to, to truly measure prayer the right way, we must look at the outcome. To measure prayer the right way, you have to look at the outcome of prayer. Now, I know that may sound a little weird. Are you saying, Pastor, that when I pray, if I don't get what I want, that my prayer wasn't good? No, that's not what I'm saying. The outcome of your prayer should never be to get a yes or a no. The outcome of your prayer should always be to draw close. We must pray for an outcome. And our prayer must be, God, I want to get close to you. I want to. I want to get close to you. I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? Getting close to God. Drawing closer to God to pursue the almighty, loving, heavenly Father. It's okay to pray for your wants. Don't, don't mishear me. But let's not diminish the power of prayer to the simplicity of our wants. The greatest good that can come from our prayer is not getting the answer we asked for. It's getting closer and more intimate and having conversation with our Father. Because we don't want a God that says yes to everything. Check out this video. 
Hey, listen, y'all can say what you want, but we did good to get uh, Jim Carrey in church for a second week in a row. If you know anything about that movie, what has kind of led up to this is he's been a <clears throat> ranter to God. He's prayed several times and expressed his disapproval of how God operates and how God does things in the world. And so God's like, well, if you think you're so much better, I'll tell you what, I'm going to empower you with all my powers. And so he's got like the size of uh, one city, basically, and those are all the prayers that are getting dumped in. But the thing I love about that is the yes like where he's just, he's going along and man, he's just amazingly handling all these prayers. But the problem is he's saying yes to all of them. And the reality is, is do you really want a God that says yes to everything you ask? Think about that for a minute. Think about the implications of what that would mean. If God gave you a yes every time you prayed yes or asked for something, he would cease to be the God that he is. So you don't want God to give you your wants. You want God to give you the thing that he knows you need most. And sometimes that comes in a no. Sometimes it comes in a maybe. Sometimes it comes in a yes. Sometimes it comes in ways we don't expect. But the reality is, in order for God to remain God, he cannot give us all yeses. But man, we get really mad when he doesn't. Right? One of the funny things about that is he answered yes to a bunch of prayers to win the lottery. And there was like 15,000 people that won the lottery, and they got $17 each. <laughs> I mean, how does God choose between, like, football teams? Any Carolina fans in here? Don't raise your hand too high. It's dangerous in here. I'm kidding. Raise them up. Carolina football, Gamecocks. Yeah, okay. Any Clemson fans? Way outnumbered, way outnumbered. But listen, I guarantee you on Sundays when they, or Saturday when they play, you're going to have competing prayers. So does God love the Clemson fans less by giving the Gamecock fans a yes? See how silly it is when I compare it to football, but the reality is, is we don't want a God who's just a yes God. We want a God who knows and sees and knows what is best for us. The no that God gives you is really the best thing for you because he is a loving God who wants the best for you. And as long as he has that kind of heart, then I'm okay with the no's. I'm okay with the maybes. I'm okay with the yeses because the point of it is is that I get to talk to my heavenly father about what I want. It's fascinating to me. It's just so fascinating how upset we get when God doesn't answer our prayer according to our standards. God, that was a good prayer. Like, I covered all the bases. I hit acts and knocked it out of the park. Like, I had them in order. I did it just right. And you still said no. The point of prayer has never been to get a yes or no. It's to get close to the Father. You know, my kids, he's just one of them is right here to say, hey, buddy, wave. You know, I got a six and eight year old boy, and that's challenging in and of itself. But one of the things I love being a dad, a lot of times, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I really treasure these moments. My kids will climb up in my lap, and, you know, they won't be watching TV. They'll be, or playing with Legos, or off wherever kids go nowadays. I don't know. You know, they're so distracted. But 
They'll climb up in my lap and they'll get close to me. And sometimes they go, you know, Dad, I love you. And that's it. It's just, Dad, I love you. Or, Dad, that was really fun. Thanks for doing that today. Or, hey, Dad, could I have this new Lego set? Or, Dad, could, could we go see a movie? Or, Dad, can, can we do this? Or, hey, Dad. And the thing I love about that is because in that moment, it's not what my kids ask me. That doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if they get up and they say, I love you, or they get in my lap and say, Dad, I want this $200 Lego set. What I treasure is this, that they've gotten in my lap. They've gotten close to me. And for a few minutes in time, I have their attention, and they have mine. There are no other distractions. There are no other things drawing them away from me. It's me and my children. And I love that. I love the closeness, the intimacy, the interaction of them being my children and me being their father. I treasure them. And I think the same is true about God. I think God treasures the moment when you come to him without all the distractions that this life brings, without all the busyness that this life brings, and you just get up in his lap and say, Dad, I just want to be with you. And you talk to him about whatever's going on in that moment. It may be for Legos, or it may be, God, I love you. God wants to hear your voice. That should matter to you. That should like awaken something in you. And I think Jesus, when as we continue through the Lord's Prayer, and I really wish we had time to cover the whole thing, but as Jesus is praying and teaching us how to pray, we should probably pay attention. Right? But see, if you think that Jesus, the, the Lord's Prayer is, okay, well, let's just say the Lord's Prayer and we did the prayer right, you have missed it. Prayer is about relationship. It's about getting closer to the Father. And I'm going to show you that in just the opening verses of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verses 8 and 9. So don't be like them, referring back to the Gentiles. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Our Father. Now, to, to really understand the significance of this, I want you to understand how children were viewed during this time. See, children were like liabilities. Children were really problems in this culture. And see, children were completely, utterly dependent upon their fathers for care. If the father decided not to care for them, then whatever. It didn't matter. Children were liabilities. They were issues. And so the, the term father is specific to a relationship. And so what we need to understand about children is this. They were powerless and completely dependent on their fathers and had nowhere else to turn. And so what Jesus is saying there, when Jesus says it, he says, you can relate to God as a father. He's saying we are completely powerless without our father in heaven. Powerless to do anything on your own. Powerless to achieve any good things. Powerless without the father. 
And not only is he saying that, but he's saying that you are completely and utterly dependent and must rely on God as your father. That you can't supply your own needs. I know you can get a job and put food in your belly. But if you think that that job wasn't given to you by God, you've already started out wrong. Every good gift, not some, every good gift in your life is a gift from your Father. And so you can completely rely on the Father and have confidence in knowing that He is going to take care of you. Our Father, our Father, that word, that language screams intimacy and devotion. It's not God whispering to us. It's God screaming and yelling at the top of his lungs, I am your father. You matter to me. You're my child and I know what's best for you. Rely on me. Rely on me. In heaven, I love this because we tend to think that that's a space in time. That's somewhere, that's like the sky somewhere. That's off in the sky. Listen, that has got nothing to do with location. That is relationship too. Prayer is all about relationship. Our Father is relational language. In heaven is relational language. It's how God, as the supreme creator of all, relates to his creation. Our Father who is in heaven. In other words, it's not God the Father stuck in some distant land out in the universe, but how God actually sees everything. It's relational. How God relates to his creation. This is, what, this is my favorite part. Tap the person on, beside you on the shoulder and say, this is a good part. Oh, that's pathetic. Come on. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We have no idea what we're saying. Like, see, some of y'all think that Jesus is saying, all right, well, you just make sure you say, Jesus, you're holy. God, you're holy. And that is not what he's saying. This is not a command that you follow. This is relational to you. Hallowed be your name literally means to sanctify, to make pure, to set apart your name. That's not a command that you fall on your knees and go, Father, you're holy. That what Jesus is actually saying there, ask God to put on display right in front of your face his holiness. To set him apart, to make himself so distinct, so unique that your only response can be that you fall on your knees. You start out on your knees going, holy, holy, and that's fine and that's good. But it's when you see the holiness of God that the response is mandated. It's Jesus saying, God, put on display that you are absolutely like nothing else on this world. You are so different and so distinct. And the only way you can get that is closeness. Pastor Bradley, you help me out for a second? Run to the back. Well, you don't have to run, but give him a hand. He's running good, people. Come on. Now, see, we got a little distance between us now, all right? And see, I can describe him to you. He's got blue jeans on and dark tennis shoes and a teal shirt, and thankfully I'm not wearing it today. 
He doesn't have hair. I can relate. He's got a beard. That's about all I can tell you about him. Come a little closer. Keep coming. Right there. Oh, now I can tell you a little more. His shoes, they look like they might be dark gray or bluish. His shirt has a red thing right here. It's like a branding or a logo. He's got a little gray in his beard, mostly right here. <laughs> a dark watch on. Yeah, that's good. Come a little closer. Okay, that's good. That's good. Now, all right. So his shoes are... Definitely gray, but they have a, like a burgundy end for New Balance. Black shoestrings. He has a white line on his shoes and dark soles. He's wearing blue jeans. He's got a watch on that's made by G-Shock. I don't know either. Uh, it's a polo shirt. The red thing is a polo guy. He does have some gray in his beard, and his eyes are green, blue. <laughs> don't It's weird looking in another man's eyes, but right? His shirt's unbuttoned. His shoes are tied. He's dressed nice. Give him a hand. Let's sharp. Woo! <laughs> Y'all don't have a clue what just happened. I am never going to live that down. <laughs> hey, here's what's fascinating to me. Some of us want to have a prayer life that describes God in the distance. But the distinctions, the hallowedness of God's name can only be made in the details. And so what God is saying there is create, don't create space, close the distance. Get me closer. Pray, pursue, come after me because I want to hear from you. See, God wants you to be able to describe his holiness, but you can't do that from afar. God is inviting you to a deeper relationship. You cannot see the details where there's distance. That's why we need microscopes. That's why we have telescopes. That's why we're so obsessed with sonar, trying to see what's at the bottom of the ocean. Because distance is the enemy of closeness. And in order to be close to God, your prayer life cannot allow distance. God wants to hear your voice. Why are we afraid? Are we afraid because of the common things that we share with prayer? I'm just not good at it. I don't know how to start. I don't do this, or I've never really done it. Prayer is all about relationship. It's about knowing that the Father is the dearest thing in your life, the most precious priceless, most valuable being in your life. And to not pray is to simply say, you are not valuable enough for my time. You are not valuable enough for me to get past my discomfort. I'm not going to close the gap. I'm going to allow distance to remain. And the Father's standing there, arms wide open, saying, if you will get close, I will hallow my name, and you will see my holiness, and you will see that I'm a good Father. And as you draw near, what you're going to do is you're going to fall on your knees because you're going to see just how distinct and unique I really am. Set yourself apart, Jesus. Set yourself apart. I mean, isn't that what we want? I mean, that's what I want in my life. I want Jesus to, to really just make himself so distinct that I see the immense value of who he is. 
Hallowed be your name. Set yourself apart. Put your glory on display. That's the point of our prayer. That we see God as our Father. Know that He is supreme. And that our greatest need is not a yes, but that He would set His name apart in our lives. That is the heart of good prayer. Psalm 18.6 says this. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry to him reached his ears. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your prayers are reaching the ears of the Almighty God. And all God is doing is saying, Will you call out to me? We are all in distress. Whether you think your life is going good or bad, we are all in distress. And when I say distress, what I mean is we are all in a desperate place for God to set himself apart. Pastors included, we all need God in areas of our life to make himself unique and distinct. We all have areas of our lives where we need to close the gap so we can see the details of how holy he is. And in this next clip, I think you're going to see something beautiful. What has happened is Bruce and his girlfriend have split up. And you're going to see a scene of her praying. And you're going to get to see Bruce as, you know, he's, he's been given God's power. And I want you to pay close attention to his response. It's amazing to me. And how our prayers, like, listen, we all know God's here, right? Like, you know that. But what I loved about this movie is that there's something significant about prayer and us crying out to God. To where God gets closer and he kind of zooms in on you. And he pays attention. And he listens. And he hears the cries of your heart. Don't you want him close? Like don't, don't you want to get closer? Don't you want to be near? That's the point of prayer. Is to get up in dad's lap and just go, hey dad. I'm not going to try to impress you with fancy words. And I'm not going to just pray for things that don't really matter to me. This is what matters to me. And the beautiful thing, I love the way that, that ends. Because what will happen in prayer when you get close to the Father is what you would have prayed before. That yes, God, this is what I want. Will give way and you will see through His eyes what is truly important. That's the beauty of prayer. That's why we pray for an outcome. 
Because the outcome has never been, God, give me what I want. The outcome can only be, God, give me. Give me you. Because you're all I want. You're all that matters. I want to get in my dad's lap today. I want to get close today. And I want to pour out my heart and my soul today, not so that I get the thing I want, but that I get the thing I so desperately need. I want to shrink the distance so that I can see the distinction and that His name can be made holy. And that everything in my life bow to that holiness. Do you really want to pursue him with me today? Like no more doing church, no more playing games, no more coming in church and going, that was a good service. Do you want to get close to God the Father this morning? Do you want to hear him? Do you want him to speak to you? Do you want to face the hurts that have never healed? Do you want God to be the emphasis? your life we're going to sing some songs but here's the thing I want you guys to feel freedom you can stand you can sit you can get in the aisles you can come through the altar whatever you want to do I just want you to do one thing I want you for the next few minutes set aside all the distractions And get really, really close in and zoom in on the Father. And just say, God, here it is. This is my prayer. This is what's really going on in me. God, there's people in my life that I need to forgive, but I just can't. God, there's people in my life that I need to love, and I just don't. God, my marriage, it's over, and if you don't do something, it's not going to fix itself. I'm talking about those real, those authentic prayers that you know you have the Father's ear. He really is listening. The question is, will you create distance or will you close the gap? Because that's what prayer is about. God, I'm not satisfied here anymore. I want to get closer and closer and closer. Will you do that with me today? Will you just go after God for the next few minutes? Your kids, they're taken care of. You got nothing else planned. He is worth it. God, hallowed your name in this place. Make your name different and distinct. Set yourself apart, God. That is our prayer.